Uh, welcome to Genesis. My name is actually Michael, and i um, excited you're here. Still excited just to see our Christmas decorations. I'm excited for our Christmas party tonight. That is at 6 o'clock, so please come. And uh, we still have a few slots uh, available uh, for people if they want to put their talents on display. So we are giving away an iPod Touch fourth generation, fully equipped with Retina something that makes it cooler. Um, so if you want to sign up, either talk to me afterwards or send an email to info at genesisthejourney.com. And it can be a musical thing. It could be a comedic sketch. If you have what David Letterman would call a stupid human trick, you can share that with us. Uh, but we've got room for 12, and I think we've got about six or seven people. So we have uh, a few spaces left. Um, next week, we're going to be starting uh, our Christmas series called All I Want for Christmas. Um, and so on December 19th, on New or Christmas Eve, which is the 24th, at 6 o'clock, we'll have a great candlelit service here, uh, and then December 26th. So it's just a very short uh, three-part Christmas series, but uh, I really hope and encourage, uh, I know sometimes people have been coming to church for a while, uh, you're constantly or at least trying to invite your friends to come. And at least at Christmas time, Christmas season, there's uh, people who are maybe at least more spiritually inclined than they might be, you know, uh, throughout the rest of the year, just because it's Christmas time. So uh, please invite them to come with you on the 19th, 24th, uh, or 26th for our Christmas uh, series. Uh, let me pray. Uh, we're going to jump right into Romans. Uh, we're going to take a break, uh, do Romans today, take a break for the rest of the year, and then pick back up in January. So. Father God, we give you thanks that uh, you are a good, kind, gracious, forgiving, merciful uh, God, uh, that you have chosen to reveal yourself uh, to us uh, through Scripture, certainly through creation, and I think most clearly, God, uh, through your Son, Jesus. Uh, God, I give thanks that uh, you know uh, every single person that uh, is here in this place uh, today. Um, God, you just know the condition of their heart, maybe hurts, frustrations, longings, uh, disappointments, worries. Um, and God, I just pray that you would meet uh, every single person uh, here in this place uh, today. Uh, God, as we open up uh, Scripture, I'm uh, fully convinced that Scripture is just living and breathing and active and can just speak to us. So, uh, God, would you be very gracious uh, to us today uh, and speak to us as uh, we walk through uh, Romans uh, chapter 4. So, God, we commit this time and ourselves to you and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for the last two weeks, we covered all of six verses, um, which I know was uh, maybe snail pace, uh, as it were, uh, but this morning uh, we're going to cover a lot. Uh, but for two weeks, we focused really on just six verses, and we looked at really one theme throughout these six verses, and the theme was just simply, uh, we're justified, we can have a relationship with God, we can be right with God. Uh, because of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the phrase that we've looked at is called sola fide, which is just faith alone. Uh, and so for six verses, two weeks, we are justified before God through faith in Christ alone. That's it. Now, I don't know if you've wondered this at all or been thinking, but I have certainly been thinking about just, isn't there something else? Like, don't I have to do something? Like, don't I have to work for it, or like, don't I have to get my life in order, or doesn't my, like, don't I have to do something? Like, it's not just faith in Christ alone, and I'm 
right with God, I'm just declared justified. Like, isn't there something else that I have to do, have to work, or just something? It can't be that simple. Uh, like 500 years ago, at the point of the Reformation, this was a, a, a major issue that a man named Martin Luther uh, was starting to teach this doctrine of justification uh, with, you know, doc, doctrine of justification, uh, faith alone, sola fide. And they did not want him teaching this because the mentality was if you tell people that it's just by faith alone, that's it, people will just then do whatever they want and sin like crazy, like it's their job, and then just say, well, I've got faith, I'm covered. And so this was 500 years ago, a, main, a major argument of you can't tell people that it's just through faith without works. And so that's where we have this, this tension of it's faith and works, or is it just faith plus nothing equals everything? And Luther stood his ground and really taught, proclaimed what I think the scriptures make pretty clear uh, is that it's faith plus nothing equals everything. And it's not just faith in an abstract thing, it's faith in what Jesus has done, equals everything. But what Luther said is a person who possesses faith, not just professes faith, anyone can profess faith. I have faith in this or I have faith in that. But what his contention was, the person who possesses faith will live a very different life. They will be changed because of the faith that they possess. So uh, that's where we have been for the last two weeks. And just really wrestling with this specifically this week, um, one of the phrase, uh, phrases that has been very predominant um, in Romans chapter 3 is this idea that the righteous, those who have been declared righteous because of faith, they in turn will live by faith. We're a pretty young church, and I don't mean just demographically, but we're, as Jeremy alluded to, we just started Genesis last September, actually launched out on our own. And it's my heart's desire for you, for me, for all of us, is that we would be a community that's, we live by faith. We're not living by performance or works, or we are a people that lives by faith. And I think that's incredibly challenging to do because we don't live in a culture that lives by faith. We live in a culture that we, you want something, you perform for it. You want something, you, you earn it. You have to work for it type of a thing. But the message in Scripture is, no, you live by faith. And because of the faith you possess, life will be lived very differently. Simple question, but what does it mean to live by faith? If you were just to consider, write that question down, what does it mean to live by faith? Not just in theory, okay? Not just theoretically what it means, but practically speaking, what does it mean to live life to live by faith. It would be easy to come up with maybe a list of five, three, six things and be like, well, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then you are living by faith. But I think what we're going to see today, and we're just scratching the surface at best, is that a life that is lived by faith is really a journey of trusting God on the battlefield of everyday life. There's not one moment where I'm living by faith in that moment. The person who makes the decision to live by faith is the person who every single day from here until we meet God face to face, uh, is, it's the moments that we're living by faith, not just that one moment where we live by faith. 
Now, a question I wanted to ask uh, of you is, when you hear that phrase, live by faith, who do you think of? Like, who comes to mind when you consider that person is living by faith? Who is that person? Like, who comes to mind when you consider, well, that person clearly is living by faith? And I'm guessing we deem them living by faith because we think they're doing some great, extraordinary thing for God. They've left it all and are doing something different over here. They've, you know, whatever it might be. Who is the person that comes to mind when you consider they are living by faith? I honestly think most of us have a hard time thinking of someone because we're just really uncertain of what does it even practically speaking look like for someone to live by faith. This is what we're going to hit hard on today in Romans chapter 4 is this is the life of someone who is living by faith. Uh, And before I uh, jump into the text, I really wanted to ask a heart-level question. Uh, And the question is, do you want to live a life, as you consider the life that you're living, is your life one where you want to live to please God? I've met a lot of people in the church, outside the church, who their kind of MO is, I want to make a difference. Like, I want to have an impact. I want to do great things. I want to be remembered for, you know, whatever. And I feel like that's kind of a message often heard is, no, like, live your life in such a way where you're making an impact, making a difference. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily a sinful thing, uh, except when really the difference you're trying to make is you want people to know you, remember you, where it's all about you. Uh, So that clearly would be wrong and sinful. But there's a difference of someone who just wants to make an impact and someone who really wants to live a life to please God. I was that guy uh, years back where I really wanted to do great things and make my mark, be remembered, all of that kind of stuff. That's, I, I, I talked about it. I organized my life by that. I just I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the impactful one. But then over the recent years, I've been really challenged by, well, Michael, does your life really, is it pleasing to God? And rather than chasing a life where I'm really trying to make a name for myself and make an impression on the world I live in, is your life one that is pleasing to God? Because Paul clearly says in a few places, in specifically in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, that the righteous will live by faith. And I think a challenging verse in uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, verse 6, says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you're going to live your life, make the decision to say, you know, I'm not going to just live to make a mark, to make a name for myself. I want to live a life that's really about pleasing God then that decision starts with saying, I need to live by faith because that's the life that is pleasing to God. Thirteen times the word faith, uh, which really just means belief or trust uh, in God, is mentioned in Romans chapter 3 through verse 27 through Romans uh, chapter 4. What I love is, again, Paul is going to paint a picture of this is an example of a man who lived his life by faith, and his name was Abraham. Uh, And so much of Romans 4 is dedicated, uh, Paul is setting up Abraham as an example 
uh, of one who did not live by works or performance or did not live to make a mark, a name for himself, Abraham was a guy who lived by faith. Now, much of uh, what we cover actually in the rest of Romans is painting a picture of this is what life, life by faith, uh, live, a life lived by faith really looks like. I'm going to cover, this might sound like a lot, we're going to work through it pretty quickly, but uh, nine specific marks of a life lived by faith. And why I'm giving you so much is because that's what the text gives us, but it's also to say, this is not exhaustive. A life lived by faith is just in the moments of every day, and the moments of every day are often very different. And so these are just nine specific things uh, that uh, Paul highlights of life lived by faith. And number one is this. To live by faith is to live free from self-boasting. To live by faith is to live free from self-boasting. He says in Romans chapter 3, last few verses, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Well, on what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified uh, by faith apart from observing law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Well, yes, of the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. His point is, we're all justified by God in the same way. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. All of us come to God, are declared righteous by God through the exact same way, which is through faith. Now, if you know that, believe that, a life that is lived by faith doesn't have any place to boast. Bless you. If you believe that you are really justified by God through faith in Jesus, there's no room to ever boast before God. Can you imagine ever standing before God, literally standing before God and trying to give him a resume of your spiritual accomplishments? of your spiritual achievements, and actually thinking to yourself that God would somehow be impressed by that boast. I like how John Piper said it. He said, boasting is the outward form of the inner condition of pride. So if you find yourself really a boastful person, what's really happening is not just a verbal problem of words coming out your mouth. What's really happening is there's an inward pride at the heart of your heart really at the core of your heart, is a condition of pride, which leads me to boast because I'm impressed with myself. I realize that it's easy to boast in front of one another. We can look at someone else and be like, well, I'm a lot, clearly I'm a lot more impressive than that person. I go to church, church more frequently. I give more money. I serve harder, more discipline, more fit. I mean, it's easy to look at other people and think that we have reason to boast. But if you are going to live a life that is a life by faith, there's no place ever for boasting because you realize that your whole relationship with God is based really on grace. Charles Spurgeon uh, said this about grace, uh, about boasting. Grace puts its hand on the boasting mouth and it shuts it once for all. It's a great picture of if you really believe this is all by the grace of God. You really only have two things to say. Thank you, and God, how can I just love you? Thank you, and I love you. 
To live by faith is to live free from self-boasting. I love the picture of, of Paul of, he got this. I'm not going to boast in myself. And he says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, may never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If I'm going to boast, it's going to be boasting in Jesus. That's it. So number one, live by faith is to live free from self-boasting. Number two, to live by faith means I live to love God and love people. Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Well, not at all. Rather, we uphold it. The argument was, well, if it's just about faith, then forget the law. I don't need to pay attention to anything in the law. It's completely pointless and useless. And Paul says that's a ridiculous argument. Our faith doesn't nullify the law. Our faith actually calls us to uphold the law. Now, if you remember how Jesus summarized the law, all 613 commandments in the Old Testament, which that's how many there are, Jesus said you can summarize them. The heart of the entire Old Testament law was what? Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with all of you, and in the same way, love people. So rather than saying, well, I don't have to pay attention to anything, no, I live my life by faith, which means I live to love God and I live to love people. That is a life lived by faith. Our confusion is not so much that we don't know how to love God and not that we don't know how to love people. We don't have confusion on how to love. Our problem is we love so many other things. The argument is, well, I don't really know how to love God and I don't know how to love people. That's not true. You do. The issue is we know how to love really well, namely ourselves. And so life lived by faith is to love God first and to love people. That's number two. Uh, number three, to live by faith means that I trust God for my salvation. It was very popular in rabbinic thought that Moses, or not Moses, Abraham, he was justified, made right with God. He was saved by God because he was such a righteous guy. He was so, his faith led him to be so faithful. Therefore, God justified him because he was just such a good guy. That was what the common thought in Jewish culture was, is he is our example of someone who worked and God credited his work as righteousness. And Paul says, no, to live by faith means I trust God for my salvation. This is Romans 4, a lot of verses, 1 through 5. It says this, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about but not before God. What does the scripture say? It says Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith in God, and it was then credited to him as righteousness. That's a direct quote from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. goes on in verse 4. Now then, a man works, his wages are, are his wages not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. His whole point in those 
few verses right there, is Abraham was not made right with God because he worked for God, and then God looked at his work and said, oh, wow, amazing. I declare you righteous, you're saved. It says Abraham believed God, had faith in God, trusted God, and God credited that faith, that belief, that trust, that possession of faith, not just a profession of faith, but a possession of faith, credited in a banking term to his account. In his account went righteousness. Now, what's interesting is, I don't know if you've ever wondered this question before, it's, it's, I've been asked it a lot, is I get in the New Testament how people got saved, right? You look to Jesus, the cross, like that's how people got saved. What about in the Old Testament? Abraham lived a couple thousand years before Jesus, like before the cross. So how did people in the Old Testament ever come to salvation? Have you ever wondered that? It's a great question. Great questions need really good answers. And the answer is, well, how did you get saved? We get saved by faith in God, right? We get saved by faith in we have a redeemer. His name is Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. That's how I come to salvation. The difference in Old Testament, New Testament salvation is very simply, they looked forward to a redeemer where we look backwards towards the finished work of a redeemer. There's no difference. Every single one of us is justified by faith, belief, trust in the redeemer. One looked forward to the promise of a redeemer. We look back towards the accomplished, the finished work of the redeemer. So, To live by faith means I trust God completely with my salvation. That's it. Not in my works. My works will never give me credit with God like there's no bonus points. There's no extra credit as it were. I am credited righteousness because of faith. Number four, I'm going to keep moving along. To live by faith means that, I love this one, I live forgiven. To live by faith means that I live by, uh, I live forgiven. If there was ever anyone in the Old Testament who had quite a story of wickedness and ungodliness, his name was King David, who was actually declared as a man after God's own heart. I won't bother to read the entire story, but he commits adultery, she gets pregnant, he wants to cover the whole thing up and escape the blame of it all. And so he has the husband killed, and then he tries to cover up uh, that, okay? If there was someone in the Old Testament who thought to themselves, my goodness, look at what I've done. What am I supposed to do now? King David is a pretty good example of a guy who lived by faith because he lived forgiven. And Paul quotes King David in Romans chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. He says, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Listen to this language of transgressions as as sins. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine if it said, well, blessed is the man who works really hard. Blessed is the man who obeys the entire law. Blessed is the religious guy. Blessed is the morally pure man. 
It says, blessed is the one who is forgiven, whose sins are completely, absolutely covered. Blessed is the guy who lives under the conviction that God does not count my sin against me. I once heard another pastor say it like this. There are those who live feeling guilty. And I want you to picture, I'm going to give you three people, which one are you? There are those who just constantly live their life feeling guilty, which means they just feel bad all the time because of what they've done or what they're doing or not doing. They feel bad, but they don't feel broken. So they're just left in guilt. Then there are people who live absolutely feeling condemned, meaning they're the broken ones, but they're people who have just no hope. This is more than just the Eeyore of woe is me. This is the person who literally just walks around feeling like I have done so much or I haven't done enough that God looks at my life and just says, man, I can't wait for you to go to eternal punishment. There are those who live feeling guilty, those who live feeling condemned, and then there are those who live forgiven. And what this other pastor said is, meaning once there is conviction of sin, there is neither guilt nor condemnation, there is just the reception of forgiveness. And the forgiveness that is received leads that individual, that man or woman, not to feel guilty or condemned, but to live a very changed life meaning what I was just forgiven of yesterday, I'm not doing again today. I love this picture of, I know what it was like to be the guilty guy, and I know what it was like to be the condemned guy. But now to live by faith means I live that I'm forgiven. And I just want to get stuck here for a moment, because I just want you to realize, because I realize that there are some people here today, whether it's just one person or many, I want you to know that if you place your faith in Christ all of your sins are forgiven. I don't care what sin you, you've done, how horrific you think it is. You're forgiven. Now, why people don't want that message to be preached is if you tell people they're forgiven, then they'll just continue to live in their sin and they won't be changed. And I don't think the Bible teaches that. I think the Bible makes pretty clear is if you understand by faith that you are forgiven, you don't continue to repeat the sins of yesterday. You live in the forgiveness of today and in the grace of tomorrow, meaning you repent of those things that you were doing yesterday and don't repeat them tomorrow. I just want you to know that God has forgiven all of your sins by faith in Christ, not because you did something, not because you were good enough or whatever it might be. I read an author, his name uh, is Jerry Bridges uh, a lot. He's written a lot of just great books on holiness and godliness. And uh, his recent book is just called The Gospel for Everyday Life. And uh, this is a quote uh, from Jerry Bridges. And he says this, The assurance of his total forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Christ means we don't have to play defensive games anymore. We don't have to rationalize and excuse our sins. We can call sin exactly what it is, regardless of how ugly and shameful it may be, because we know that Jesus bore that sin in his body on the cross. To live by faith means I live that I'm forgiven. David clearly got that. He knew he could do nothing to cover himself, so he threw himself upon the mercy of God. And to live by faith means I do the same. I live life forgiven. Number five, to live by faith means I celebrate 
I celebrate that God's made righteousness available to all through faith. That's a long one. To live by faith means I celebrate that God's made righteousness available to all through faith. The big question of the day was, this is just for the Jewish people, right? That's what people were wanting to know. This is just for Jewish people. And Paul's argument throughout Romans is, no, it's not just for the Jewish people. It's for the Gentiles. It's for all who place their faith, their trust, their belief, their hope in the finished work of Jesus. Romans 4, verse 9 through 12. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised? Is this just for Jewish people? Is this just for people who are part of the covenant community known as the Jewish nation, the Jewish community? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Now, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised? Meaning, because he did this, is that why God declared him righteous? And Paul's argument in the rest of this section of Scripture in 4, 9 through 12 is no. It doesn't matter if there was circumcision or not circumcision. What matters is, is there faith? All, I love this, to live by faith means I celebrate that God's made righteousness available to all. Okay, practically speaking, if living by faith means that I celebrate the righteousness is available to all, do you know what that means for me, practically speaking? I don't rule anyone out. I don't ever look at someone else and say, oh man, not a chance. No way. I can't ever look at someone else's life, decisions, choices that they're doing. I can't ever play judge over someone's life and declare them, man, you are so far beyond ever being declared righteous by God. How often do we do that? To live by faith says, I cannot look at someone else and declare them either unworthy or too far gone from ever receiving righteousness from God. Rather, to live by faith, I celebrate, man, I can look at people and rather than saying, oh, you're too far gone, I can say, man, God's righteousness is still available for you. God's forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, a declaration that you're just, it's still for you. You're not too far gone. That's number, number five. Number six, to live by faith means freedom. I like this one, freedom from performance. Romans chapter four, verse 13 through 15. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For those who live by the law are heirs. Faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there's no transgression. It's another way of saying to live by faith means freedom from performance. It's not about my observance of the law. That's not why I have relationship with God. How many people have ever performed athletic event, maybe a recital, karaoke, something like that? You get up, you get off the athletic field, or you step down from the stage, whatever it might be, what is the first question you want answered? Because in your mind, you're thinking what? How did I do? You want people to affirm, oh my goodness, that was the most phenomenal karaoke performance I've ever seen. I feel more blessed by just being in this place. Or to step off the athletic field or whatever, you know, other performance you might, we're so consumed with how did I do? How did I perform? 
Can you imagine if you had to live life under the bondage of always wanting to know, God, what do you think? How did I do today? Was I faithful enough? Was I, was I righteous enough? Did I guard my mind, my heart enough? Did I say something wrong? If I live under the weight that I'm performing for God, really my mindset is I'm not living by faith because faith frees me from performing for God. I'm really living my life under this bondage of law. I have to do something to get something from God. Where the reality is God's already done everything for me and my life is now lived really in reception or receiving that. I like how Charles Spurgeon said this, our best performance are so stained with sin that it's hard to know whether they are good works or bad works. Meaning I can't even look at my performance because I don't even know if it was good or bad because it's just so marked by my own mess, by my own sin. So to live by faith means that I don't live my life wondering if God is pleased with my performance. Rather, I'm not performing. I'm just so free by faith to live just to love God. Number seven, to live by faith means I trust in the promises of God. To live by faith means I trust in the promises of God. Romans 4, 16 through 17. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Spiritually speaking, Abraham, we can trace our spiritual lineage back to Abraham. That's what it means when he says the father of us all, spiritually speaking. Why? Because he placed his faith in God. Verse 17, as it's written, I made you a father of many nations. He's a father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things uh, that are not as though they were. When God promised, if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, read it. It starts in, in Genesis chapter 12 and goes through uh, about Genesis chapter 23, 24. Phenomenal story of a man who lived by faith. God told this man, you are going to have children. Your children are going to be, you can't even, they'll be as numerous as the stars in the sky. If you know the story of Abraham, that is a pretty cruel joke for God to play on Abraham. Why? Because he's roughly 100 years old. He and his wife had, have not been able to conceive children. So that, in my mind, seems, God, that's mean. How do you tell, bless you, a 100-year-old man who's yet to conceive children with his wife, you're going to have kids. Actually, you're going to have so many kids, more than the stars. Really, God? Thanks. That's, you're, you're kind of an evil trickster. Abraham, to live by faith, means I trust in the promises of God. You're either going to live life thinking, you know, um, that you see basically... And I, by the way, Abraham didn't view God's promise to him as a cruel joke. He received it as a promise and it was a guarantee that it would happen. But I've met many people who just see the promises of God as either best unreliable or maybe just a cruel joke. My pushback to you, to, to anyone who would have that line of thought, 
It's just a very simple question. Is, faith, is your faith in, in God's word, meaning his promises, or is it really just in your wish list? And there's a difference because if your faith is in your wish list, and wish list meaning very simple, I, I want a big job with a big, big paycheck that will give me a big house, that will give me big vacations, and I'd really like to have a trophy spouse to boot. And if you could throw in a dog, that would be phenomenal as well. Well, God said that he was going to give me those things. And when those things don't happen, see, we get disappointed because our faith is not in what God has actually promised. Our faith is really in what my wish list is. And when life doesn't happen according to my wish list, it's God's fault. Well, he's not giving me my job. He's not giving me my career. He's not advancing my name. He's not giving me a spouse or at least a spouse I like. He's not giving me a paycheck to support the lifestyle that I think I deserve. Well, can I just say there's a a tremendous difference between the promises of God that he's given to us in Scripture and my wish list. Abraham was not confused as to the two. And I hope that we would not be either. When Abraham received the promise from God, he received it. As, as good as gold. A.W. Tozer said this, true faith rests upon the character of God. It's enough that God has said it. That's it. If God has said it, it will be done. Why? Because it's God. And God cannot do anything that he's not spoken. He's faithful. He's reliable. He is consistent. So to live by faith means I trust in the promise of God. I don't have this one on the screen for you, but uh, John 16, I think we often think that the promises of God are just always for, you know, my gain, as it were. And I mean gain, not just spiritual gain, but financial gain or any other type of gain. John 16, says, a promise from Jesus is you're going to have trouble, suffering, hardship in this lifetime. I promise you that. And the promise that was married to that promise was, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome these things. So regardless of what your life looks like, the suffering, the pain, whatever it might be, my, my, my faith is based on the promise of God that he is with me. He is faithful. He is constant, consistent. That's number seven. Number eight, to live by faith means I trust God despite the situation. How many times have you ever looked at a situation in your life and you're like, no way, not going to happen. It's just not possible. It's, I'm either too far, far gone, they're too far gone. It's just, it's beyond possi- the realm of possibility. Abraham looked at himself and saw himself as good as dead. Why? Because he's 100 years old. The thought that he's going to start fathering children at 100, not likely. He looked at his wife and looked at her and said, wow, you're not too much better off than I am. You're, you're as good as dead too. The chance that you, a 90-year-old woman, is going to start bearing children, not likely. But what I love about Romans chapter 4, verse 18 through 23, is it teaches us to live by faith means I trust God despite the situation. It says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. 
just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Not good as dead, but dead. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised, that this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. I love to live by faith. Abraham, a great example, means I trust God despite the situation. I specifically wanted just to highlight one aspect um, uh, where it says in verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief. This phrase, this word waver, means he wasn't of two minds. He wasn't of two hearts. He was not divided. He was one man, one mind, one heart, rock solid, hoping, believing, having his faith in God. What God says, God's, it's going to happen. Why? Because it's God. That's why. I don't care if I'm 100. I don't care if she's 90. If God says I'm going to be a father of many nations, then so be it, because God can make that happen. I think a lot of us waver because we're of two minds. I think God can do that, but I'm pretty sure he won't, so I have to start living my life, trying to orchestrate the events of my life to make it happen. That's a faith that would be considered to be wavering. This is going to be a hard, convicting question, which I love asking, so I'll ask it. How do I know if that's me, if my faith is the one that's the one that wavers? The question is, if you want to know if that's really you, well, what's on your list of worries? Not only how long is that list, but what is on that list? Worry is a direct reflection of a life that's really wavering. I think God can do it, but I'm not sure God can do it. So I'm left in the middle just to worry. I don't know if he will. What if he doesn't? And so I live my life worrying. Do you know what Jesus actually said about worry? Why he tells us, do not worry? That's in Matthew chapter 6 or chapter 5. Well, because number one, God cares for you. And number two, it communicates to God that he just can't handle your situation. If we're going to live by faith, that means I trust God despite my situation, despite my circumstances. All right, number nine, we'll finish with this one. To live by faith means that I live for Jesus who is alive. If my life is one that is marked by living by faith, I live for Jesus who is alive. Love the end of Romans 4, chapter 23 and through 25. The words it was credited to him were not for him alone. Verse 24, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. If I will live my life by faith, I live for Jesus who is alive. 
Now, an obvious question is, what does it really mean to live for Jesus who is alive? And a very simple answer is, how I live matters. I think a lot of us live very lazy, very undisciplined, thinking my, my, my decisions that I'm making ultimately are not that big of a deal. If I am living by faith that Jesus is alive, then how I live matters. Every decision matters. I'm not talking about what you'll order at Chipotle today after church. I'm talking about the decisions that we make about who we are and who we're becoming, how we're loving God and loving people. Your life matters. If you believe that Jesus is alive, you live by faith knowing that what you do in life, it matters because he's alive. He's not dead. Paul, I think, summarized this really nicely in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. How do I live in light, in reality, that Jesus is alive? Well, it's no longer, I'm not living for me. I'm living for the one who gave himself for me. So everything in my life, it matters. It matters. And secondly, I live not to get or gain something from Jesus. Rather, I just live out of the gratitude of what he's already given me. It's a different way of like, well, I guess I'm going to go to church and I'll give and I'll read scripture and I'll serve as a way to get something or gain something from Jesus who's alive. No, I... I live by faith just receiving what he's already given me. Close with uh, really a prayer that uh, Martin Luther um, penned uh, years back. He said, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. I am your sin. You took on you what was mine. You set on me what was yours. You became what you were not that I might become what I was not. Faith is to live my life that Jesus is alive, that he did all of this for me. He took upon himself what was not his but mine so that I could have what was his. I didn't deserve it, but he gave it to me. Now, I know I've just given you nine things. Please do not walk from this place today and be like, well, if I just do these nine things, I guess I'm apparently living by faith. No, this is just nine things from one chapter in the entire scripture. Living by faith is not just a time moment decision I make. It's a decision that I make in the moments of every single day. That I have been given the opportunity to live my life by faith because that's a life that pleases God. And so as you would go from here, I just, I pray that we would be aware of, man, a life of faith is a life that pleases God. I want to please God. So I live in the faith that I have in God. Back to that heart question. If you really want to live a life that uh, pleases God, that's where we started, that's where I'll end, is do you want to live a life that is pleasing to God? If you say yes, and I just hope 
By the way, if you're confused as to that question and you just don't have an answer, you're going to live your life in some way, shape, or, or fashion. My hope is that you would make the decision to say, you know what, I want to live a life that actually pleases God, not to earn or gain or get something from God, but where God is pleased with the life that I'm living, and it's by faith in God, not in myself. Some are here today, and you made that decision, and I encourage you, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on into a life that is lived by faith in the every single moment conversations that take place in our life. And some maybe are here today and have yet to place faith in God to even begin living a life that is by faith. And my heart for you today is that as we would pray, celebrate communion, and just continue in worship, as your prayer to God would be very simply in this place, God, I don't want to live anymore for me. I want to live by faith. And so I place my faith, my belief, my trust in you and what Jesus has done for me that makes me right with you. Father God, I just pray that uh, you have just been speaking to us uh, in this place today. God, I just pray that uh, what you have uh, spoken to us, what you've just revealed to each person, I just believe, God, you've been uh, tugging on people's minds, tugging on people's hearts. Uh, God, that we would respond, and we wouldn't wait to respond until tomorrow or next week. God, we would take what you've given us today, and we would respond. God, to those that are made that decision to live life by faith, God, would you strengthen them? Would you encourage them? God, would you bless them to keep pressing on and living by faith? And God, to those who are here who have yet to place their faith, belief, hope, trust in you, Jesus, I pray that their prayer right now, God, open up their hearts to receive you by faith. Jesus, what you've done for all of us, that we can be declared righteous, Jesus, because of your righteous life and our faith in you. 